Hello. Welcome to Out in the Bay Queer Radio. I'm Eric Jansen. What does the phrase bad hombres bring up for you? And once the border is secured, at a later date, we'll make a determination as to the rest. But we have some bad hombres here, and we're going to get them out. That's a former U.S. president there, now under investigation by the U.S. Justice Department in an infamous 2016 campaign debate. We see and hear this clip at the beginning of Bad Hombres, a solo show in San Francisco in which one actor plays seven characters. My father is an American citizen. If I could just get him to take a paternity test, then all my paperwork would be fine and I could fly off to like some, you know, Ivy League school and incur more prestigious levels of debt. Why should I have to go back to Mexico? I've never been to Mexico. I mean, okay, technically, I was born there, but I was a fetus crossing the border when all this happened. And and, and you right-wingers are supposed to care about the fetus. Until it's born. That's Rudy Guerrero from a season preview in August playing Ulysses Maximilian Lopez from Bad Hombres. It's playing through October 30th as the opening show of Theater Rhinoceros' 46th season. Guerrero and the play's director, River Bermudez Sanders, are my guests. We'll be talking about Bad Hombres and about Latinx representation in theater. Rudy Guerrero has acted in many past theater rhino productions, including Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, a few years back, winning the SF Bay Area Theater Critics Circle Award for Best Principal Actor in a Musical, and in many other plays, too numerous to mention here. River Bermuda Sanders has worked as a director, actor, stage manager, and teaching artist at several Bay Area companies, including Palo Alto Players, Children's Fairyland, The Oakland Theater Project, and NCTC. Bad Hombres is their first project with Theater Rhinoceros. Is that right? Yes, that's okay. correct. So, Rudy and River, welcome to Out in the Bay. Thanks Th- for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. So, let's first talk about Bad Hombres. What drew you to this particular play? You as an actor, Rudy, and River, you as a director. I'll go first. I've been wanting to do a solo performance piece for quite a while. And I approached John Fisher, artistic director at Theatre Rhino, about it. And he said, well, if you find a good enough script, let me know. And I already knew about Guillermo Reyes's uh, previous one-man show called Men on the Verge of a Hispanic Breakdown. His Panic. Yeah, his pa- yes, His <laughs> Panic Breakdown. And uh, I initially submitted that to John, and John said, well, I, I know this script, and it's a little dated at this point, but maybe Guillermo has something more recent. And in doing my research, indeed, he had something much more recent, similar themes, but in a more uh, current sociopolitical atmosphere uh, called Bad Hombres. Um, I read it, and I loved it and submitted it to John, and they have now at Theatre Rhino a play selection committee. And it was submitted with the caveat that if they chose it, I came along with it. Okay. And they did. And River, what was it about this play that you wanted to be involved? Yeah, I, I read it for the first time, and I was struck by its absurdity. It, like, it takes this very narrow category of, like, queer Latines, um, and it takes this, you know, this, this, um, very reductive epithet of bad hombres, and it presents these seven different scenarios of what that can be. Um, and I thought that it was just a really interesting, like it, w- it was a totally new experience for me. I had never directed a solo show. I've never directed in San Francisco. I've never worked with Rudy. Um, and yeah, I had, a, I had a friend who I had worked with um, call me up and be like, hey, they're looking for a director for this project. And I was like, heck yeah. What are some of the main themes in this play? The main themes, like what I what I really what I really love about it is just the diversity of the queer Latine experience. Um, that's really what I want the audience to take away is that you know like we were 
put into this box by this term by bad hombres. And within that, you know, and the, like not even not even queer Latino, like uh, like the whole Latino community was put into this box. And then within that, there is so much strength and resilience and um, diversity just um, just within that that very narrow category. Um, and yeah, I mean, it has a lot to do with dating and relationships. It has to do with um, homophobia. Um, it has to do with um, toxic masculinity. Toxic, yeah, machismo. Speaking of toxic masculinity, Rudy has offered to give us a taste of most of these seven characters, perhaps not all of them. Mm -hmm. But we have the uh, El Luchador, the the fighter, um, mm -hmm. a, a wrestling suit. Uh, you, let's let's describe the costume first, right? As, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. Rudy is also the costume designer for the show. Oh, okay. um, I based my costumes basically on the colors in the pride flag. So I don't know if you noticed that when you were watching the show, each character embraces a single color from the flag. And the wrestler, I chose red. He's got this red luchador mask on, uh, black and red wrestling singlet, these uh, platen, uh, patent leather red boots, um, these red uh, wrist braces. Um, it's really fun to wear. <laughs> yeah, you look like you're enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes you feel really powerful. And so anyway, the, uh, the toxic masculinity part, he's like chastising his, I guess, young child who we can't see, but um, a little kid and kind of terrorizing him and, and says what? Yeah, well, uh, he's at a picnic, a Labor Day picnic with his family, and he's got his young son with him. And he's trying to teach his son how to be a wrestler and also just how to be a man um, in this culture. And the son is resisting him. He's, he's crying all the time. And, and it's, it's really kind of sad and, and touching. At the same time that this is happening, a young man that he sort of met at the gym in the showers, and they had a sexual relationship going on, shows up at this picnic. And so he's having to deal with and negotiate these two different worlds <laughs> that he lives in. Yeah. These two parts of his life. Mm -hmm. So then he's having this conversation with the client. I think that's where this section that you're going to read for, from us, yeah. for us is from when he's talking with this uh, client or perhaps student. Mm -hmm. In my life, there's woman, man, insertion, then making the woman fix after sex next. That's tradition. Sex on the side with the mistress is also traditional for a man. But not everyone has set up a wrestling mat like I have. Makes me creative. You, you want romance. Your type of infidelity just isn't traditional. It would destroy the family as we know it. I believe in family values. I mean, I did enjoy trying out that thing with the whipped cream and the eggplant, but no, no more. No. Why can't you sign up for wrestling lessons? Hmm? That would solve all our problems. We all get what we want and even the Pope's down with a few mats. Oh, yeah, the church likes incense and spectacle. When I confess, I confess. The priest likes to hear me confess. I do the best confessions. It works for everyone. <laughs> so there's this, like, uh, relationship battles going on. There's also this political stuff in the background. There's a lot of stuff about immigration. Um, mm -hmm. One of the other characters is, uh, I guess we could describe her as a drag queen, and she is sort of like um, romanticizing or perhaps eroticizing being deported, which is kind of an uh, interesting uh, twist. Mm -hmm. uh, River, you want to say something about that? <laughs> yeah, I guess like I, I find it powerful to kind of like take that narrative 
like it, it's so you know like 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 it, it was the kind of thing where it's like you know I was directing it and I was working on it and then like once people started coming I was like oh right this stuff is intent you know because like it's it's so the way it's portrayed is so absurd and so like so out of pocket <laughs> um that like it almost you know like it almost lets us reclaim those narratives you know mm-hmm. it, lets, it lets us it let, 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 like it's a really it lets us take it take it a little bit less seriously when it is a really really serious issue um and yeah i mean like i i was so i was so involved in the like you know in the in the direction of it and like okay like what does this character want now what does this character need you know blah 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 and then like stepping back i was like right like this is this is a story about you know like like hearing you put it in the terms i'm like oh right like this is a story about um this this drag queen romanticizing the person who's gonna deport her so yeah i mean like i, I feel like guillermo reyes really just kind of um took these scenarios and these tropes that we that we hear about um you know uh, these like stereotypes and was just like i'm gonna do whatever the hell i want with them um, and like, you know, society be damned, you know, or like, you know, like, like, um, expectations be damned, right, you know, he right, takes right. all of these scenarios and puts them in a totally, um, totally unexpected context. And, and um, you talked about absurdity before. I mean, at this, she's at the, she's like purposely going to different border crossings, following this guy around so she mm-hmm. can be deported by him over and over again. And mm-hmm. nobody else will do. And mm-hmm. I think that's set up with a song by, um, Yvonne uh, Elliman. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> you want to read a little bit of that character? Uh, sure. Uh, just a little note. Um, while River and I were working on this scene, I first approached it and I took the character's words uh, 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 to heart. I thought she actually was having a relationship with this border patrol person. And River pointed out, no, I think it's all in her head. <laughs> I think she, she romanticizes and imagines it's a relationship, but it really doesn't exist. Well, it sounded and, convincing when I saw when I saw this production on Sunday. Yeah, so. okay. But it... it Completely changed the way I, I approach the, the monologue, and it, I, it, I'm so glad River pointed that out to me. <laughs> but if you want to hear her, here she is. Please. I first crossed the border during the second Bush era. I was very, very young, of course, practically a child. So that's when I first met him, this Mr. Reynolds. He was about your age back then, tall, blue-eyed, strong, muscular, toughest-looking honcho gringo in the southwest, a quarterback in border patrol uniform. He took me into his arms and then put me on a bus back to Mexico. But what was I to do? Guatemala has revoked my citizenship. As a kid, I was much too fabulous already for Guatemala. The local women used to consult me about color coordination. I reached for that land in the north where I thought my style and my colors would be welcomed. Mostly in kitchens, but it's a start. Still, I was constantly being sent back. But when I met Mr. Reynolds, I realized forced removal can be erotic. Oh, the attraction was mutual. And so I kept coming back. You know, the same spot, the same route, the same treatment, the same arms to transport me back to Mexico. Oh, I was in love. When they transferred him for a while to Nogales, Arizona, I went with him. When he returned to San Diego, I came right back with him. If I was going to be deported, it had to be by him. And she's upset on the phone because 
she's going to get some other agent. And that's not <laughs> yes. acceptable. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> that's Rudy Guerrero in a scene from Bad Hombres at Theater Rhinoceros in San Francisco's Castro District through October 30th. He and director River Bermuda Sanders are my guests this week on Out in the Bay. I'm Eric Jansen. And before I forget, I'm going to get the website therhino.org if you want tickets. That's T-H-E-R-H-I-N-O.org, therhino.org. Uh, because this, the theater has only 25 seats, so there are not many seats. And there's, uh, I guess there's uh, four shows a weekend uh, from now until October 30th. Yeah. Out in the Bay is nonprofit and independent. That means we get no financial support from the radio stations that air Out in the Bay weekly, not from NPR, not from podcast platforms. We rely on listener support. Just hit the donate button at outinthebay.org. Rudy Guerrero has acted in many past theater rhino productions, including Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, a few years back, winning the SF Bay Area Theater Critics Circle Award for Best Principal Actor in a Musical, and in many other plays, too numerous to mention here. River Bermuda Sanders has worked as a director, actor, stage manager, and teaching artist at several Bay Area companies, including Palo Alto Players, Children's Fairyland, The Oakland Theater Project, and NCTC. What do you hope viewers... uh, get out of this uh, production when they come to see Bad Hombres? We were talking about the absurdity of this this show. And I think the the big draw for me is like it takes these issues that hopefully people are already aware of, you know, like, um, you know, people within the Latino community and, with, and without it um, and people within the queer community and without it. Um, I hope it sheds a different because it takes these scenarios that are all pretty familiar, you know, like like a, a cheating husband and um, a Catholic boy who is a Catholic boy rebelling against his parents um, and, a, 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 you know, and, you know, immigration, you know, like deportation, like it takes these familiar ideas and tropes and completely turns them on their heads and like makes you forces you to look at them in a different way. You know, and it brings up different questions than our typical discussions of these things would do. These discussions can become very intellectual, which sometimes obscures um the reality behind what's happening. And I think, you know, while this this show is one of many, many different tactics needed to have a robust conversation about immigration, machismo, um, homophobia in the Latina community specifically, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, so this, you know, it, this show is a supplement to all of those other, you know, so I, I hope that it makes people curious mm-hmm. to like look into these things. You know, it's like, oh, I saw this presented on stage in this ridiculous, absurd way. What is the reality? What is, the, you know, like how how much of that is reality? How much of that is fiction? Um, and, you know, and where, where do those lines cross and blur? I just hope people walk away laughing. <laughs> it is a comedy after all. But also along with that, I hope they uh, experience some empathy for the characters and for people who find themselves in these situations that are struggling with um, sexuality uh, and and also the socio-political and uh, emotional uh, issues uh, that they're going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me ask you one more thing about the production. That is, um, there are a few sort of uh, video montages of uh, queer Latinx guys, Latina guys, uh, talking about... Um, whether they want a bad guy or a good guy to date. Oh, God. 
Uh, good guys. I've had my uh, share of bad guys, so I'm actually um, in the mood for something different. <laughs> so, I mean, I feel like anybody would say bad boys, but I actually prefer a good boy. People are who they are, so I'd rather have a good guy with a little spice or a little uh, little splash of edge, and I'm, I'm good with that. I always, always go with a bad guy. Always. And it's always the wrong way to go. Just someone in between who has a balance. I think life is about having a balance, having a good and a bad. There is something appealing about having someone a little vanilla. I, I need both. I, you cannot just have just one. <laughs> Was that part of the original uh, playwright's uh, vision, or this is something you've, you brought in? We needed a way to cover my costume changes. And uh, so I came up with the idea of, of playing videos that would sort of help introduce each scene. And so the scenes that uh, precede, or the transitions that precede uh, Ulysses' entrances, his scenes are called um, dating for beginners, intermediate dating for beginners, advanced dating for beginners. And I found these videos online where someone had uh, posed questions to gay Latin men. Mm -hmm. You know, one was about, what, do you like good guys or bad guys? So, so this is just something you found. It's, it's not that you, went, well, I thought it was a theater rhino production where you went out and interviewed guys in the neighborhood. Okay. Nope, just All found right. it online. Oh, cool. Yeah. All right. And other questions, you know, um, what's your best come online? Um, you know, that was you, cute. Yeah. <laughs> what are your best attributes? Just things like that. And I thought these, those were great ways to introduce Ulysses and his so, scenes. Enough of the bad boys. Close that crap. It's just, you know, hashtag good boys all the way. Good boys, I'm like, ah, yeah, thank you for the flowers. Thank you for the gifts. You're too nice. Can you just like, I don't know, <laughs> punch me? Okay, I want to move on now to ask you both about what, how the representation of Latina people in media in general, in theater specifically, and let's take that both in the Bay Area and uh, and nationally. I assume, you know, we all assume we're in a bubble here, but uh, how is it here and how is it nationally and what direction is it going in? And when I first saw about the play, it was like, okay, we, we have all these stereotypical characters mm -hmm. in this thing, and but we're going to try to bust some of those stereotypes by maybe perhaps making them absurd. In some ways, it's portraying Latin people in a way that we're not seeing much in the general mainstream media. Mm -hmm. I, it's very aware of all of those stereotypes. Like the, the script is very aware of, oh, this is how we have been portrayed and is very conscious of being like, I'm going to portray this in a different way. Like, I'm trying to think there is, there was one, like, like I, I, I keep coming back to the Catholic boy in the cholo because there's one, there's one scene uh, where a 17-year-old is having sex with a, with a cholo um, and he can't have his, um, he can't have his parents, his very traditional Catholic parents find out. Um, and I think that just like, it plays on so many different kind of Latine stereotypes um, not really taking any of them seriously, you know, um, and, and within that, you know, like presenting a kind of new stereotype of this like nerdy bookworm, um, Chilean American, what, what is the description? It's like, um, a neurotic Chilean American, Chilean uh, Spanish American, Chilean virgin. Spanish American virgin. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, um, and you know, within, and there, are, it kind of, it, is aware of all these stereotypes and then it introduces new plays on the stereotypes. You know, like this, th like that very specific descriptor. descriptor. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, 
And yeah. and for those in our audience who might not know exactly, cholo, that's a kind of a. <laughs> I think that's used in different ways. But what, what does it mean to you in this uh, in the context of this play? Uh, not necessarily. That's like, also a loaded. It's a loaded term. It's a very loaded term. Absolutely it's a loaded term. Yeah. But uh, in this play, it's referring to a character who's uh, in a gang. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. But so, very attracted to the Catholic schoolboy, 17-year-old Catholic schoolboy. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And he will do things that his girlfriend won't. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right. And it's, you know, like, it it dances on the edge of, like, not okay. <laughs> I feel like it da- it dances on the edge of appropriateness at times. Uh-huh. You know, okay. like, with, with, like playing, with, playing with these stereotypes, you know, there, there are moments that I, that I can imagine, like, people sitting in the audience and being like, being a little uncomfortable. Yeah, like, is the, are you allowed to say that? Are you gonna get? <laughs> like, uh, uh, do you think you're gonna get any, you know, like, outraged comments? Like, how dare you? I, I well, I thought about that. I thought about that, and I, th- it is, it is our stories. You know, I like these are, you know, like between me and Rudy and Guillermo, the playwright. Like, these are things that we have experienced, and things that are familiar to. Like, maybe not directly. Um, but they are part of our stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, within that, you know, we have, we have, you know, I don't know. I, I don't claim to have all the answers about like, you know, how to portray things correctly and sensitively. Yeah. Well, it's art. Um, so people take the reaction that they have. That's their reaction. Right. And it's like, I, I was very careful in this process to be like, okay, is this something that I have firsthand, you know, is this something that I have experience with? You know, I didn't, I didn't want to go into a realm of speaking on an experience that I didn't have. Right. You know, I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to portray something that I wasn't, um, that I didn't feel was something that I could make fun of. Okay. You know? Yeah. 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 Um, cause it is a, ver- it is a very irreverent script. Yeah. Um, um, and yeah, and there will be a lot of different, um, I'm, I'm sure there will be different, um, reactions to it. So since yeah. we've talked so much about the Catholic boy uh, mm-hmm. and the and, and the and his cholo lover, um, can you uh, paramore, perhaps I should say? <laughs> Do you want to read a little bit from that? Sure, sure. I go to the library after school to look up Dostoevsky because I'm writing a special report for my AP English class. And who do I meet? It's Mr. Cholo. In an unlikely setting, he's looking around, looking lost, not knowing where to find a book. Hello, it's a library, I say. Oh, I don't mean to sound condescending. I'm just naturally bitchy. I can't help it. He says, A.S.A., my English teacher told me to find the book or she's going to fail me. And all I see out here is chick lit novels and stuff. Well, I find him a book about growing up in gangs. Very documentary style. Very East L.A. Always running by Luis Rodriguez. And he is stunned. He didn't think books could do that. Reflect upon his life. He came back the next day and he says, A.S.A., I read 10 pages last night thanks to you. Wow, 10 pages. Oh, come on, he's trying. Now, I don't know why I accepted to go get ice cream with him after school. I expected an Italian gelateria, but no. He takes me to the 7-Eleven and gets me one of those firm round cone things. But hey, very sweet of him. He said he usually beats up on bookworms, but then he gave me that look. Oh, my God. Before I know it, my legs are lifted all the way up, and I've got Mr. Cholo banging away at me in the back of his 75 Chevy pickup. We're parked by the observatory overlooking the city, and nobody can hear me moan or scream in my case. Yeah, girl, it was that good. It was also my first time. Very good. Thank you so much. <laughs> That's Rudy Guerrero, 
portraying Catholic boy in Bad Hombres at Theater Anasaurus in San Francisco through October 30th. He and director River Bermuda Sanders are my guests this week on Out in the Bay. Um, before we close out, I just want to ask you one thing about, you know, as I said earlier, Theater Anasaurus is in its new home on Castro Street, uh, excuse me, on 18th Street in the Castro, just a couple blocks above Castro. Uh, it's a small space, only 25 seats. How does, you know, how does a theater survive on such a small, you know, um, such a small stream of income from actual ticket sales. Obviously, you must have some grants and things like that. But Yeah, yeah. Like most theaters, ticket sales do not cover the costs uh, that come to a theater. Yes, there are grants. And um, <laughs> if you notice, after every performance, we have these red buckets in the lobby. And people are really generous in understanding that a lot of theater companies like Theater Rhinoceros, particularly small ones, are still struggling to recover from the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And um, so audiences have been really generous in in donating um, money mm-hmm. after, after the show. Now, River, you have worked in a bunch of different theaters and I guess uh, are currently – do you find that a similar situation with the other theater companies around here, you know, recovering from getting through the worst of COVID and but still having some definite challenges ahead? Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's still very challenging. It's still quite challenging to be um, to be producing theater right now. I mean, and it, it, it is cash flow. You know, I feel like theater rhinoceros in particular is I mean, it's the longest running queer theater in the world. Um, and that is something that that's something very special. You know, like while I was while I was working on this process, I was I was very aware of that. I was like, that is a very special thing to be doing. Like I, I felt very lucky, very privileged to be uh, working with this company, you know, because, you know, and, and, and you know, longest running queer company in the world is it in its 46th season. It has been so recent since we have had the ability to have a queer theater mm-hmm. that is explicitly loudly queer. You know, it has. This is not our history. Is not long. Like, I mean, our 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 history spans generations, obviously. But like the history of us being out mm-hmm. and proud and being allowed to have like a very you know a progressive queer theater is. It's not. You know, it's not long. So you know, it's really important that theater I know gets the support that it needs because it's it's a very very important space. Um, yeah. Uh, just to go back to a previous question you had. Uh, I'm just going to say it, that the American theater scene is primarily Caucasian. Yeah. And when you think of the representation of Latinos on stage, you either think about West Side Story or more contemporary uh, uh, show, In the Heights. Mm -hmm. And this is an opportunity to see not only Latinos on stage, but a subculture of that, the gay Latino experience, which Mm -hmm. you never see uh, either on stage or TV or film, rarely. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So... it makes it very special. Thank you both so much for being here, and thank you f- for putting on this interesting production. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. You can catch Bad Hombres at The Rhino, Theater Rhinoceros, and you can find information at therhino.org. You've been listening to Out in the Bay, queer radio and podcast. My guests were actor Rudy Guerrero and director River Bermuda Sanders of Bad Hombres, running Thursdays through Sundays at Theater Rhinoceros through October 30th. Tickets and more info at therhino.org. 
We'll have that link on our site, too, in the post for this episode on outinthebay.org. That's outinthebay.org, where you can hear past shows, get in touch, and subscribe to our podcast and our email newsletter. While you're there, please consider chipping in, won't you? Your donation will help us keep sharing queer voices and stories with the Bay, the nation, and the world. Out in the Bay is nonprofit and independent. That means we get no financial support from the radio stations that air Out in the Bay weekly, not from NPR, not from podcast platforms. We rely on listener support. Just hit the donate button at outinthebay.org. Thank you kindly. Here's a way to help that won't cost you a dime. Please let us know how we're doing. We'd love to read your comments and suggestions for future shows, and also where you are and how you're listening. Just shoot an email to outinthebay at yahoo.com. That's outinthebay at yahoo.com. We are deeply grateful to Richard Merck and Brad Payton of Silicon Valley for their ongoing generous support, and to Susan and Hayward and Keith of Six Pack Foods in Reno, Nevada for their recurring monthly gifts. Join them and us, if you can, please, at outinthebay.org. We'll thank you on the air only if you say it's okay. Special thanks this week to San Francisco Public Press and its radio station, KSFP, in whose studios we recorded this week's Out in the Bay, and to our studio engineer, KSFP program director, Mel Baker. Christopher Beale is this week's sound designer and audio editor. Our theme music was written and performed by Holly Mead. I'm Eric Jansen. I'm so glad you could join us. Come back next week, Out in the Bay, at outinthebay.org. Thank you.